You are listening to I Doubt It with me, your host, Jesse Dolliman, a podcast dedicated to free-thinking discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. Let's get on with it. What do you think? You haven't yes. introduced me yet, so I can't talk. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Episode 29 of your twice-weekly dose of news, news and ridiculous comment. 29. This is I Doubt It. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore. And as always, sitting in my vicinity is the lovely Brittany Page. Hello, just your vicinity, not near you at all, just kind of around you a little Co-host bit. Co-host extraordinaire and someone who loves to be a naysayer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can't just go with vicinity. It's got to be... I was trying to make a joke. That was a very, very funny joke. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Boo. Oh, how the tables have turned. <laughs> A lot to get to this week. Like I said, episode 29. We are... We're one away from 30. Yeah, we are. That is that is exactly right. We are one away from 30. 657-464-7609 is, as always, our voicemail line. You can catch us on iTunes and Stitcher. I don't know if Stitcher... There's a subscribe button, but there certainly is on iTunes, and we appreciate your support. We appreciate your listenership, and as always, we appreciate your ratings and reviews. Indeed. We also have a Facebook page and a website, dollamore.com, where you can be so bold and so generous as to support the show by clicking on the Amazon link and buying whatever product suits your little heart at the time. For yourself. For yourself. Don't buy anything for us, because you are for sure not getting our fucking mailing address. No. <laughs> <laughs> There actually has been a lot more uh, interaction with us on the Facebook page lately, even with people or from people whom I'm not sure listen to the show. Yeah. It's been it's been nice. Yeah, it's been good. It's sometimes little mini debates seemingly pick up. Very ma- very many, not many. Yes, little mini mini. Mm-hmm. Like Just mini muffins. Minor. Yeah. I guess I should say. Yeah. So that's good. I mean that's uh. It's a long way. I am learning that, like I said last, last, I always want to say last week, last time you joined us, that we, we definitely have a lot more people listening than are subscribed. And we have a lot more people listening than are interacting with us through the Facebook page. So I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but anybody listening, whether they hate our guts, which is likely for me, not for Brittany, people, how could anyone hate Brittany? I, well, I tell really bad jokes, so that's probably <laughs> the number one reason. Well, you're also well, you're the voice of reason, and you're also not a, a prick like me, so mm, just less of one. Well, it's not like me; it's different than me, I guess. Yes, yes, so different. Definitely, Brittany appreciates your love, and I appreciate the dreams that I have about being loved oh. by everyone. Oh, bummer for you. Boo. I'm really sad, everybody. <laughs> Apparently, I turned into Donald Sterling. Yeah, yeah, you did. 
So I was driving through the neighborhood. I know we didn't really plan on talking about this, but I was driving through the neighborhood and I noticed a lot of the streets in our neighborhood are named after you go through like three or four street segments where the 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 streets are named like after Robin Hood. Yeah. You know Sherwood Forest Lane and and then there's just random names. So it's like themes. Yeah, there's like themes. And I was thinking why don't they be creative and like I, I don't know do like a food theme. That perfect. That would be awesome. Why don't they go God, that what a great idea. Go through and have segments of streets named after delicious foods. Well, I wonder first of all if they already do. So if you live on a food street, let us know. Oh yeah. If you live on Catfish Po'boy Street. <laughs> I was thinking maybe something more basic like spaghetti lane or something. Oh, I was just thinking of my favorite foods. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Red beans and rice court. Yeah. <laughs> Fried chicken boulevard. Bologna and ruffles. Oh, yeah. Terrible. Government cheese <laughs> place. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder who has the duty to do that because some of the some of the streets are like Albert... Wilson. Yeah. You know, just normal standard stuff. Why wouldn't they want to? I mean, you know, the, there's in the other area, they're named after Fordham. They're named after different colleges, Lehigh. And then over here, we've got Wilson and Albert. Yeah. It's boring. In my neighborhood growing up, it was uh, dogs. Oh, like Chihuahua Lane. Like Beagle and Labrador. Beagle. Well, and I can see Labrador. That's, I can't remember a lot of them. That's funny. But yeah, it was kind of weird. I wonder who. I, seriously, I, I'm curious as to who gets that that job. Yeah. Oh, some, I would love it. Some of the other, I would be a dick. They would be funny ones. You know what I also, I was thinking about, they should make the name endings on streets, like lane and street, there should be certain ones for dead-end streets. Like, all lanes should be dead-end. Or courts. Or courts. Or so, circles. So when you turn on a street, you know it's going to be a dead-end just because it's a lane or whatever. I think that might be the case. It's not the case. No? No. Oh. No. No. No, I don't know. Well, maybe... I tell you what, we should start a campaign with city planners... To get that fucking done. Let's get uh, a petition started on change.org to change the name of our street to Catfish Po'boy Street. I, I would I would be down on that. Yeah. Because I'm not a fan of the street's name that we are on. Yes. Yeah. It's indicative of something else. Yes, it is. So. And everyone will just have to have their imaginations run wild with and that one. just so everyone knows, it is not Period Blood Boulevard. Oh wait! <laughs> By the way, on our last our last place of residence, it was spices. Yeah, spices. That's right. They were grouped together, you know, like Majorum, and I don't think that was a street. In fact, I'm not going to name the streets. Yeah, because we know there are dirty, filthy stalkers out there who want to who want to do horrible things to me. Yeah, that's true. Horrible sexual things to Jesse. And D. why wouldn't they? <laughs> Speaking of horrible sexual things, oh, look God. at that. That was an awesome, awesome segue. That's disturbing. God damn, you know it's going to be a good show when shit just starts falling together, everybody. 
So speaking of falling together and falling apart and horrible sexual things. Just everything. Archbishop Robert J. Carlson. And I want to give the guy's full name because I don't want, because, you know, Robert Carlson could be, it's almost like that. Tucker Carlson. Well, well, yeah, that's true. I wouldn't, who cares if somebody gets that idiot, that idiot confused. Uh, what about, it could be, what's the guy's name on, uh. On uh, on Fight Club. His oh. name was Robert Paulson. You know, it's a common name. Anyway, so that was a little <laughs> detour there. A little bit of a stretch. So uh, uh, Arch- Archbishop Robert J. Carlson recently was in a deposition. And well, I tell you what, before we get to the horrible shit that he says under oath in a legal proceeding... I want to demonstrate this man's character. And in 2012, he gave a homily to 1,600 students who were on a religious pilgrimage to Washington, D.C. to protest abortion. Good morning, pilgrims. Oh, I know you're a little tired. Some of you are a little hungry. A lot of you spent, what, 30 hours on a bus. Some people are cold. Some people wonder what they're doing here. Good. Good. Because you see, when you go on a pilgrimage, if you suffer a little bit, there are more graces given. Think of all the good we are doing, the number of infants that we are saving because of how uncomfortable we are. Give God thanks and praise. So suffering is good because it gives you more blessings because god if there's a god he really wants you to suffer because that means you really meant it it's definitely a catholic thing if we're all god's children (laughs) imagine being a parent and if your kid suffers you really oh you really want them to suffer because then they're going to learn stuff from suffering that's great now struggling is one thing like louis ck talked about on that one episode that he would never take take his daughter's burden because she grows stronger mm-hmm. from carrying the backpack. So I guess there's something to be said for that. But he goes on, and this guy clearly has a, a stranglehold on morality um, because he's, you know, he's an archbishop of the Catholic Church. You'll never know until the day you die and go up to heaven when all those infants who lived will meet you and thank you. So a little bit of suffering... It's a good thing. You never set out on a pilgrimage unless you expect to suffer. How many are willing to suffer a little bit more, get a little cold, get a little wet, but march for life and tell our president? (laughs) Tell our president, you're a smart man, but in this case, you are absolutely wrong. President Obama and weak-kneed politicians in the Congress, we are here this morning to ask God's blessing on our march, and we stand to witness to the sacredness of all life. Amen. I don't know that there's anything wrong with that. The sacredness of all life. I, you know, I think I could get behind a message like that. But I want to, sorry, I want to point out, though, that keep in mind that he was talking about weak-kneed politicians. He said those words specifically, 
weak-kneed politicians. Remember that, bookmark that, so keep that in mind for later. Now, in this next clip, it's, it's perfect. I was talking to somebody earlier today, and I said that I was going to John Stewart this guy like a verb. <laughs> because it's amazing to me that people who are public figures and have an audience, and they get up in front of thousands of people at a time, and they hold strong positions that they don't realize that they're being recorded. There's video of this guy. This is a YouTube clip. There's video of this guy talking, and he doesn't remember when he goes into his deposition the shit that he said in the past. So, you know, I can I can kind of get behind that message of, of the sanctity of life. I think it's good. So he goes on. And in this next clip, he goes into more detail about just how desperately precious these lives of, of babies, of these unborn babies, but young people, young lives, just how, how precious they are because they're innocent and they're defenseless. There is no one more absolutely innocent. It would be impossible to imagine. In no way could this human being ever be considered an aggressor. He or she is weak and defenseless, even to the point of lacking the minimal form of defense consisting in the power of a newborn baby to cry and to shed tears. The, the unborn child is totally entrusted to the protection and care of the woman carrying him or her in his womb. And we stand and say that we are here to protect as well. For the most fundamental value of human life is the dignity of every human person. Nothing is more important than our awareness that life is sacred from the moment of conception to natural death. Wow. Bold. Bold. Yeah, well, I mean, everyone should remember and focus on his great attention to how innocent babies are particularly unborn babies right and how they're innocent how they need protection and they need to be cared for by their mothers because they can't protect themselves right they're defenseless all these things that he's saying should be kept in the front of your mind yeah because here we go he was recently a part of a lawsuit and in a deposition. He's in a deposition as a part of a child abuse lawsuit in Minnesota involving the Archdiocese of St. Paul and Minneapolis and the Diocese of Winona, Minnesota. He has claimed to be uncertain that he knew sexual abuse of a child by a priest constituted a crime. Yeah. Uh, I tell you what, that's perfect. Let's just play the clip. So this is coming from a man who is the archbishop, the Catholic archbishop of a diocese, of a major swath of Catholic population, and a man of authority and power and position. And this is his testimony, his sworn testimony, some of, some of it, his, some of his sworn testimony before a court and a judge. Archbishop, um, you knew it was a crime. For an adult to engage in sex with a kid. Uh, I'm not sure whether I knew it was a crime or not. I understand today it's a crime. When did you first discern that it was a crime for an adult to engage in sex with a kid? I don't remember. 
When did you first discern that it was a crime for a priest to engage in sex with a kid who uh, um, he had under his control? Um, I don't remember that either. Do you have any doubt in your mind that you knew that in the 70s? I don't remember if I did or didn't. In 1984, you are a bishop in the auxiliary bishop in the archdiocese of uh, St. Paul in Minneapolis. You knew it was a crime then, right? I'm not sure if I did or didn't. He's not. He's saying he's not sure if he knew it was a crime. Right. But his job, while he was working in his position, was to investigate claims of sexual abuse. Right. And so they have documents. So according to some documents released on Monday by the law by the law firm that was involved in this deposition, they show that Carlson had clear knowledge that sexual abuse was a crime when discussing incidents with church officials during his time in his role in Minnesota. In a 1984 document, for example, Carlson wrote to then Archbishop of St. Paul in Minneapolis, John Roach, about one victim of sexual abuse and mentioned that the statute of limitations for filing a claim would not expire for more than two years. He also wrote that the parents of the victim were considering reporting the incident. So if you're talking about when a statute of limitations is going to expire. It's clearly a crime. Yeah, you're you're talking about something that's a crime. Here's the other thing beyond that, because I think any rational, clear-thinking individual, anyone, knows that this asswipe knew it was a crime. My thing is, well, first of all, this this man, Archbishop Robert J. Carlson, is a fucking terrible person. He is a deplorable man with zero morality or ethics in his little tiny fucking body. This is unbelievable that a man like, it's not, the, the, actually, the problem with it is, is that it's not unbelievable. It's very believable. They've had these type of people at the head of the church. The Nazi Pope, Ratzinger, uh, Benedict, mm-hmm. he was at the head of the organization in the church that, that shuffled priests from parish to parish all the time on to their next set of victims. So the problem is that it's not unbelievable. It's very believable. But he has the temerity, he has the balls to sit there before a lawyer under oath, under oath, swearing his hand on a Bible to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help him his God. And he fucking lies. Clearly lying. Well, did you know in the 70s that it was against the law for a, a grown man to have sex with a child? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't recall whether I knew it was against the law. It's But he has... It's sickening. He has such a stranglehold on what is right and wrong related to... And what the impact is on a child related right. to abortion. And, you know, these kids are innocent and babies are innocent and they need to be protected. And, well, what about kids yeah does when they become kids does that all go away and they no longer need the protection of an adult and the guidance of an adult and i mean well the more babies you abort the less children they have the chance of molesting and raping brutally 
I, that that I mean that sounds like a joke and facetious, but why would they be so against the harming of children in utero when they clearly are not just not against it to to use wild double negatives, but they're not just not against it; they are hiding it, they're covering up they're they're facilitating the further rape and abuse of innocent children. And then you've got assholes that we've talked about, like like Bill Donahue, who say that, well, that there's only a few cases, and most cases were consensual sex between the end of the young child and the priest. So yeah. what's kind of sickening, I mean, all this is sickening, but it, it gets worse. Carlson claimed to not remember answers to the questions posed by the attorneys a total of 193 times. He was asked if there was any physical condition or illness that was impeding his memory. Quote, I can't make either a psychological or a physical diagnosis other than to say I have had seven cancer surgeries. Each time I received some kind of chemical to put me out for that. If that's impeded my memory or not, I have no idea. My concern is that what I say to you would be accurate. So he's blaming his inability right. to remember whether or not something's illegal on his cancer surgeries. Remember earlier the weak-kneed politicians, your president and these weak-kneed Washington politicians. Who's fucking weak-kneed now, Archbishop Robert J. Carlson? Who's weak-kneed now that when someone, when these children need someone to come to their defense because they're defenseless and innocent, where is where is the person in authority to do that? Instead, he's hiding behind his collar. He's hiding behind his religion. He's hiding behind the, the the vast power and influence of the Vatican and not protecting. Not just not protecting, doing more harm to innocent, blameless children. And it's really unfortunate because he was involved in handling sexual abuse cases in Minnesota for 15 years. And they ask him in the deposition, you know, did you ever take these instances to the police? And he said that he admits that he never personally reported any incidents of sexual abuse to the police, though he says he encouraged parents to do so at least once in 15 years. Yeah. In 15 years. Well, if he didn't, hang on, if he didn't know that it was a crime, then why would he tell anyone to go to the police? Yeah, that's a good question. Oh, I wonder, I hope the one of the 106,000 times that he said, I don't remember, hopefully that was one of the questions he didn't remember. Yeah. I mean, this, if you're a Catholic, listen, apart from what I feel about religion, apart from all of that, if you're a Catholic and you're listening to this show, do something about this. You now know about this. You don't have any excuse not to do something about this. You don't have to be a part of his diocese. You don't have to be a part of his congregation. You don't have to be under his authority. You don't have to personally know this guy. You're a Catholic. You're a part of the of the general overall congregation. You need to do something because now you know about this. And you have far more influence over the church than I, than Brittany, than someone who's not Catholic. 
Where are the moderate Catholics? Where are the reasonable people who love and defend children? Well, the attorneys are certainly trying, which thankfully they are, you know, and there yeah, is... Yeah, they're, they're all Jews. There is a... <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. The, the plaintiff in this case, um, you know, claims to have been abused in the 1970s, so it's it's been a long time a lot of time has passed, but that still doesn't mean that people don't deserve to be punished and that someone who has right. abused someone doesn't deserve to be punished. Listen, when I'm in charge, when it happens, I'm still waiting for the call. Rape, I've said it before, rape will be a capital offense, like murder. So whatever, whatever crime, whatever punishment that can be meted out to murderers can be meted out to it's that serious. You're take you're 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 robbing someone of something they'll never ever get back. You never fully recover emotionally, psychologically, sometimes physically from rape. Well, and he seemed to understand that level of innocence with babies, and I just wonder where it went because even this abused adult, this person's an adult now. They were abused in the seventies, and they still deserve a level of protection. They still deserve what he was talking about for the babies because it's a yeah. it's a marginalized section of society, these abused people who get treated badly. You, know, you see the bracelets everywhere, the WWJD, WWJD, the, the what would Jesus do bracelets? Think about that, Catholics. What would Jesus do? Would Jesus stand before those lawyers and fucking lie? With a straight face, lie 190-something times? How many times? 193. Uh, would Jesus sit there and lie 193 times to lawyers after having put his hand on the Bible and swore to his God that he wouldn't? Would Jesus not do everything in his power to protect children? The, the one time that I can recall that Jesus talks about putting someone to death harming someone physically is about children he said it's better to put a millstone around someone's neck and throw them to the bottom of the sea if they harm a child that, something around those lines i don't have the scripture here but what would jesus do if you're trying to be christ-like think about that he certainly wouldn't sit there and lie like a fuck he would do everything in his power to help those innocent defenseless children anyway goddamn so anyway let's wrap it up with this if you're catholic for the love of all and i'm not just saying this because it's a turn of phrase for the love of all that is good do something write a letter make a phone call talk to your local priest something has to be done about this worthless excuse i mean if I was a, a, a worse human being, I would advocate violence against this person. But I'm not. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a decent human being. <laughs> Somebody needs to start a vigilante service. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, a, like when you're a kid and you start a private eye agency to find out who stole your pencils in class and you charge people. I don't know. Maybe I was the only person who did that. Yeah. Only kid who did that. Somebody needs to start one of those little homegrown vigilante services. I think something else that would be beneficial is... For those people who talk about how they they hate the news and the news is super upsetting to them, if they could realize 
the impact that that attitude has on other people when you're unaware of what's happening in the world and you're able to just close your eyes to what's happening. No, we need to be talking about things like this because it's important and it gets the word out of the injustice that's occurring and it helps other people. So when you say... I don't care about the news. I can't watch it. It's, it's upsetting to me. What you're really saying is that you don't care about yeah. people it's and not what's a, going on. The rape of innocent children is not important enough to, for you to put aside your mild discomfort at hearing about the news. Of course it's upsetting. Yeah. Of course this is disturbing to talk about and to think about. But are we just going to ignore the issue? How How is that going to make all these abused kids feel that people are too uncomfortable to talk about it? All it does is shut them down so they don't feel comfortable about coming forward. Yeah, no, this should be on the news everywhere and everyone should be addressing it. But it's also a touchy issue because, oh, oh, we can't be offensive about people's religion. Yeah. No, can't let's judge. Don't why, judge. Let's talk about people's religion. Let's talk about what the reality is. I don't understand. Like, what is this political correct attitude that everybody needs to have about everything? It's, anyway, sorry, that was my little round. No, it's good. Um. So anyway, Archbishop Robert J. Carlson, um, something needs to be done about you. Something. <laughs> just, so, not, just something. We anyway, don't know, but something. We're going to move on to another terrible human being, Nutter Butter. Not in Florida. You would think this would be in Florida, <laughs> but it's not. No. It is Scott-esque. In Oklahoma, more Oklahoma, more Oklahoma. The the earthquake ravaged or earthquake ravaged the hurricane ravaged town of Moore, Oklahoma, where that woman was interviewed by Wolf Blitzer by Blitz. Oh, the atheist. Yeah, that's where she was from. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, Scott esque. He's running for House District ninety one state representative. And he says he's a conservative who wants to apply biblical practices to Oklahoma law. And just for reference, everybody, the Republican primary election will be held on June 24th. So after you hear this video of him talking, please remember that. Yeah. Okay? So uh, I want to thank the local NBC affiliate there, um, the the Oklahoma City uh, NBC affiliate for this clip. And speaking of political surprises, a local man running for office in our state is suddenly in the spotlight because of his controversial views. And it's a bright spotlight in statements posted on Facebook. He seemed to be advocating the death penalty for homosexuality. News Channel 4's Sarah Stewart's been following the story for us. And she's live now. Sarah, a lot of people might find these comments very offensive. Yeah, the person who brought this to our attention definitely did. Scott Esk is running for House District 91. On his website, he says he is a conservative who wants to apply biblical principles to Oklahoma law. This is the first time I've ever come across an Oklahoman with this kind of fringe attitude. Rob Morris runs the Moore Monthly magazine and MoreDaily.com. He was researching political candidates, trying to compile information for the public when a friend alerted him to District 91 state rep candidate Scott Esk. This guy posted on Facebook that homosexuals should be stoned to death. My first response was, oh, you're nuts. Nobody would be stupid enough to do that. But Morris found those postings from last summer on Facebook. At the time, Esk had commented on the Pope saying, who am I to judge on homosexuality? Esk posted Old Testament scripture calling for homosexuals to be punished. Someone asked, so just to be clear, you think we should execute homosexuals, presumably by stoning? 
Esk responds, I think we would be totally in the right to do it. That goes against some parts of libertarianism, I realize, and I'm largely libertarian, but ignoring as a nation things that are worthy of death is very remiss. Morris got a hold of Esk by phone and asked him about the statement. What I will tell you right now is that that was done in the Old Testament under a law that came directly from God. And in that time, there was it was totally just. It came directly from God. Uh, I have no plans to uh, you know, reinstitute that in uh, Oklahoma law. Uh, I do have uh, you know, some very huge moral misgivings about uh, uh, those kinds of sins. Even people that don't agree with things like gay marriage, they nobody wants the death penalty for gays. I mean, that's the most asinine thing. Morris said he feels voters need to know about Esk's extreme views before casting their vote. We tried repeatedly today to get a hold of Scott Esk, called, emailed, even went by his house, but he never returned our messages. Of course he didn't return your messages. He's a coward. So just so we didn't get lost in that video, I just want to do a quick refresh here. Yeah. So just to be clear, you think we should execute homosexuals, presumably by stoning. He responds, quote, I think we would be totally in the right to do it. Yeah. Another case of, hey, buddy, you're, what you say can be looked up and brought back always. Seriously, just like that guy said, who would be stupid enough to put something like that on Facebook when you're trying to run for office? Yeah, he's, he's an asshole. You need to watch what you're doing. He, well... Or just don't believe your dumb shit. Well, and don't for try to sure, run but, for office. but if you are going to believe terrible <laughs> yeah, things, yeah, yeah. Well, which a lot of them do. I would rather them be out in the open with their craziness. And also, this guy's not mainstream. Like, I've got my, my criticisms of Christianity and religion in general, but this guy's not the mainstream. Mainstream, the massive majority of Christians don't believe that we should be putting homosexuals to death. That's the Taliban. That's Iran. Which is what's funny is. Oklahoma, a few years ago, or recently, relatively recently, passed legislation, or what, there was proposed legislation, I don't know all the details, I'm just talking out of my ass, so we'll have to find the details and put them up, that they were pa proposing legislation to ban Sharia law in their state. Hmm, interesting. So, he, this guy, I mean, so clearly they don't want the religious-based laws, and that's what this guy would be proposing, even though he tried to do his little out and say, well, no, I wouldn't want that for Oklahoma law. I wouldn't want to change Oklahoma law. But he says that we would be in the right to do it. Yeah. Ugh. So, Oklahoma, uh, your primary is coming up. June 24th. And if you're in his district, uh, District 91. You know what to do. You do know what to do. Well, if you're a, if you're a regular listener to the show, I fucking hope you know what to do. Well, and if you're just a regular, rational human being. <laughs> well, if you're a regular, rational human being, you're a regular listener to this show. Oh, yes. <laughs> Perfect. Full circle. So, <laughs> so anyway, Scott, ask your dick. And, uh... <laughs> we need to bring that back. That's good. So... Something that's been under uh, Brittany's bonnet, it's been a bee in her bonnet, or a bee under the saddle that it has been Brittany's attitude lately, has been 
the recent comments of Hillary Clinton stating that when they left the White House, they were all, boo, dead broke. Dead broke. Yeah. And, is, and the isn't reason... is that the word? That's what she said, Yes, right? that is the word. That's the phrasing. And the reason it's so upsetting to me is because, unlike Jesse, I tend to be more of a lefty than a righty. Definitely. So I tend to... You know, I haven't liked Hillary Clinton on Facebook, and I'm not liking the Ready for Hillary, Hillary 2016 stuff like that. You, but you don't have a, you don't have your your iPhone case ready for Hillary or whatever. I do not. Or your your beer koozie or all that bullshit they're selling on the website. I do not, but <laughs> I do tend to side with my Democrats. Okay. Brittany voted for Obama. Indeed. So just the one time. Just the one time. That's okay. I'm not shitting on you. I'm just saying you voted for Obama. I did. I'm just saying. I'm just saying it into a microphone. You're saying it a lot. I'm just saying it into a microphone that is broadcasting to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of ears that you voted for Obama. You know what? I bet a lot of those people did too. How about that? Especially if they're atheists, because a yeah, lot of atheists I, tend I, to be leftists. Yeah, I know. All right. I know. Okay, so Hillary Clinton made her dead broke comment during an interview with ABC's Diane Sawyer. Sawyer was pressing Clinton on a reported haul of $5 million in speaking fees. Hillary Clinton, quote, you have no reason to remember, but we came out of the White House not only dead broke, but in debt. We had no money when we got there, and we struggled to piece together the resources for mortgages for houses for Chelsea's education. It was not easy. Bill has worked really hard, and it's been amazing to me. He's worked very hard. Now, and, of course... And no one would take anything th that away from either one of them. I think they're both hardworking people. Yeah, I may disagree sure. with them generally, but they're both hardworking and people. And I think it's... I don't know what... I haven't seen the clip of Sawyer pressing her on her speaking fees, but I don't think there's any reason to criticize how much she makes in speaking fees or... Well, it's a, it's a liberal Democrat. They're ashamed. They're... They're embarrassed about being wealthy. There's, I don't blame them if they were worth $5 billion. Good for you. Whatever. You earned your money. But to, to claim you're dead broke, to me, all it says is that she's super, super out of touch with what dead broke is. Yeah. Well, one thing I, I saw reporting on this from a liberal news source, actually, said that her comment doesn't necessarily showcase a lack of empathy. It actually showcases a lack of honesty. And I'm not sure which it is. I don't know if it's just a lack of her being able to relate to people or, you know, her just being flat out dishonest. But I did find some information regarding their their finances. So... Clinton's 2000 Senate financial disclosure form provides a rough view of the balance between the couple's assets and liabilities. So in 2000, Clinton left office in 2000. Uh, January 20th, 2001. Okay, 2001. So their highest possible assets totaled $1.8 while their lowest possible debts were nearly $2.3 The most optimistic scenario left them in a hole of $500,000. Now, this is a 2000 Senate financial disclosure form. Okay, mm -hmm. so that, that's where that number comes from. But the federal disclosure, disclosure form does not include homes used for personal use, and the Clintons owned two. In 1999, they bought a five-bedroom home 
for $1.7 million. That doesn't seem like someone who's very broke to me. Right, right. No, they were, no, no. Not just broke. Not like, yeah, you know, we're, we could do be it better. They're dead broke. Of course. Dead fucking broke. In 99, they hadn't left the White House yet. So that's when she said she was dead broke. Mm-hmm. And in December 2000, just as they were leaving the White House, they bought a seven-bedroom house near Embassy Row in Washington, D.C. The price was $2.85 million. Yeah. Okay. So... While those homes had mortgages, which would increase the amount of their debt, they also had equity in them. So the New York Times reported that the Clintons put 855000 down on the Washington house. Wait a minute. How did they put $850,000 down on a house if they were dead broke? That's the thing. That's where dead broke doesn't uh, make sense. So they put $0.85 million down, down payment? That's that's a that's a hefty sum for someone who is dead broke. This this person contacted two accounting professors at Ohio State University to talk to them about this. And they said almost any president leaving office can expect tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars of future earnings as a result of their having been president. Mm -hmm. Speaking, consulting, board positions and so on, all very lucrative. They said, while one can claim to be technically broke, creditors wouldn't take it as such as long as future income streams could cover the liabilities. So they're able to get loans. They're able to get credit. They're able to extend and grow their portfolio. People who are dead broke have maxed out credit cards, can't get new credit cards, can't get loans. They're struggling. Yes. they And they also can't afford, uh, you know, what school did Chelsea Clinton go to? Columbia. Columbia Educations for I their kids. I think she went to Columbia. I think so. It's he, Ivy League. She was Ivy League. Absolutely. I'll look it up. And so it's just kind of, you know, she's trying to explain her comment now is a not very articulate phrase that she used, you know. Listen, that doesn't work. That doesn't work for Ivy League educated individuals. You can't just say, oh, I was just inarticulate. You're wildly intelligent both hillary clinton and bill clinton are considered some of our most intellectual individuals within our government they're super super smart brains so you can't just say oh yeah i was inarticulate george w bush is inarticulate hillary clinton not inarticulate She said, quote, that may have not been the most artful way of saying that Bill and I have gone through a lot of different phases in our lives. That was then. This is now. Obviously, we are very fortunate. We've been given great opportunities. Uh, Chelsea Clinton's alma maters, plural, Stanford University, Oxford University, Columbia University. All schools that dead broke people go to. If they were so fucking dead broke leaving the White House, why didn't she go to to some state school? Yeah. That's where dead broke people go. Actually, I don't think dead broke people go to college. Dead broke people barely get by. Well, also, it would have been you're going to finance your own education. She should have gone to maybe Nova, like Northern Virginia Community College. Yeah, University of Phoenix. <laughs> right. Why didn't Chelsea Clinton get a University of Phoenix degree? Right. I'm sure her student loans are just off the charts having gone to those three Im- wonderful schools. Yeah, well, that's the thing. She said we needed to pay for Chelsea's education. Well, a dead broke parents? That's out of the question, paying for their kids' yeah, it's, education. It's student loan time and praying for scholarships 
praying. I wonder what her Pell Grant was. Oh, yeah. wait. <laughs> yeah. Pell so, Grants are for the poor people. So anyway, it's and I don't I don't think this disqualifies her from from office. Her money certainly does not. Um, I think it's her policy and her her belief system that generally disqualifies her for, for my vote. But it's it's just a dumb ass thing to say. It it really points to how out of touch she is. Or it's either how out of touch she is or how how she's underestimating the intelligence of the American public. Yeah. Th- to think that we're really gonna believe you were dead broke. Yeah, you had some you had some legal bills uh related directly to the Ken Starr investigation and the the special prosecutor, but come on. That that could be made up if, even if you're in debt three million dollars. All right, you give six speeches, and boom, you're back. Yeah, and that's the thing. Saying saying dead broke, you have the earning potential coming out of the White House to make tons of money. So you're not dead broke because you all these things are going to be given to you upon leaving the White House. Bill Clinton started his the Clinton Foundation. The Clinton Foundation well, also. She wrote a book immediately. I think it was her book advance, which, if I'm remembering right, was about eight million dollars. That's how she put the down. That's how she made the money to buy the house in Georgetown. Hmm. Was the book advance? So, anyway, on to someone who actually does have financial problems. Yeah, the Waffle House lady. God, see, this show is hitting on all cylinders today. Yeah, it is. I doubt it with Dollar Moore. So the Waffle House refuses to allow a waitress to keep her $1,000 tip. Yeah. On 3 a.m. on Mother's Day, the mother of three kids who works two jobs and goes to school got a break. A wealthy businessman called her over and said, I'm going to bless you tonight. He left her a $1,500 tip asking her to give one third of it to a woman at a nearby table. Then he went home. Great story, right? Um, except for that Waffle House made her give the money back. Well, I've called the Waffle House the fucking awful house for years because it is terrible. And this is one more reason other than the sacredness of your health to not eat that. (laughs) They said they felt the tip was too big for her to keep. So people who want to give large tips, apparently, it's routinely refunded at the Waffle House. Those people are asked to tip with cash or check instead. Mm. Apparently, it's easier that way. They they know the finances of their customer base far better than the individuals do. Yes, they seem to imply that if someone came in and tried to claim that they didn't actually leave the tip, that they would have to refund it anyway, except for the fact that a credit card receipt... Is a legal document, is it not? You yeah, sign it. Right. So he left the tip. He signed the document. There you go. And if you're that worried about your employees maybe being fraudulent, which I, I could assume could be some of the, the deal, if that's the case, don't hire people that you can't trust. And this clearly was the case that he wasn't, he, he wanted to give her the money. I mean, what a, what a good guy. Yeah, it's awesome. And they're making they're throwing up roadblocks to the the I don't want to say profiting of their employees, but they're throwing up roadblocks to the betterment and the welfare of their employees. So, shame on you Waffle House. 
Except for the guy is going to write her a personal check. Well, great. Yeah. But it shouldn't be that much of a pain in the ass to do a good deed. I mean, at least to end it on a positive note. That's all I'm saying. No. Well, thanks to that guy. And he wants, he's through this entire thing, wants to remain anonymous. He hasn't, we don't know who he is. I think the reporter got a hold of him, but he is very adamant um, and ardently not He's wanting to stay out of the fucking spotlight. So. Yeah. Good for cool. him. It's, there's still great people in our world. So did you hear, did you hear, have you heard about the sexting doctor? He has been, I think, fired or disciplined or released from his duties. Yeah, he's been suspended. This is another case of doctors doing things during surgeries just to make all the listeners paranoid, right? Yeah, I... Just like the guy who was caught on the recording talking about the guy's anus oh, and all yeah. that, remember? That was a woman, I think, saying he had no balls. Oh, was that a woman? Yeah, I think it was a woman. Yeah, see, this is all disturbing. You just <laughs> you expect better behavior from your doctors, do you not? They're highly educated. They're not supposed to be sexting while they're in surgery with you, right? Yeah, well, you would hope not. So, Or making jokes about your dick. Dr. Arthur, <laughs> Dr. Arthur Zilberstein... The Seattle anesthesiologist has been suspended over a laundry list of allegations, including moral turpitude and preoccupation with sexual matters that are an apparent result of his near constant sexting while he was supervising C-sections and other surgeries. Leave it to doctors to make even sex less sexy and more clinical. Yeah. His preoccupation to sexual matters. Yeah. <laughs> Charges filed against Zilberstein allege that on a single day in 2013, he sent 64 sexts, many of them sexually explicit, throughout the course of seven surgeries. As NBC News reports, among the texts was the instant classic, I'm hella busy with C-sections. Just like how you expect <laughs> Wait, your doctor to speak. This is in Seattle, right? Yeah. Is this guy from, like, Northern California? Because hella... Is a is a San Francisco thing. Oh, I'm oh, hella busy, bro. I don't know. It's Probably little, not to bro if he's... It's a little disturbing. Yeah. It's not clear how the texts sent between at least April 2013 and August 2013 came to light. Zilberstein also stands accused of accessing medical images for sexual gratification, having sex with a patient, having sex at work, prescribing the aforementioned patient authorized narcotics, unauthorized narcotics, prescribing unauthorized controlled substances 29 times, and, quote, depicting himself in hospital scrubs, wearing his hospital badge, and exposing his genitals in a selfie. This guy's a fucking weirdo. Yeah. Who would want him delivering their baby? It's a bad time. That's what freaks me out about he's accessing medical images for sexual gratification. What medical images does he have that well, he's accessing? He's obviously an OBGYN if he's if he's if he's performing C-sections. He's supervising C-sections. He's an anesthesiologist. Oh, 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 oh okay. okay. So he's just supervising them. He's in the room while they're going on. Well, he probably still has access to hospital yeah. records and Yeah, it's weird snooch pictures and you know yeah now everyone's going to be super fearful of their anesthesiologist being up to something when they're in the room i'm always a little a little leery of being put under i've been i, I had sh shoulder surgery about five years ago and that was terrible then they put you under i've had an appendectomy i've had my tonsils out my sex change operation of course so you know it's uh 
I'm always very weary going under the knife. You know, I also have had my appendix removed and it was my first major terrible medical thing to happen to me. And I was 16 and I was hysterical before I was being taken in to get it removed. It was emergency situation. And like an emergency poop. Yeah, like that. And so I was crying (laughs) and the anesthesiologist was, you know, about to put me under and I was crying and I was really upset. And he said, what are you scared of? You know, right before, I mean, he's putting the drugs in me and he asked me what I'm scared of. Right. And the last thing I remember is saying, I'm scared I'm going to die. And I just, I remember die going on and on and on. (laughs) And I just, I wish someone was recording me while that happened so I could see what else happened after that. But that was it. I was out. You would have lost your mind had you had my, my doctor who took my tonsils out. I had him out as an adult. Uh, It's when I worked on Capitol Hill. And so... (laughs) <laughs> I had just gotten out of the Marine Corps, so I was only out for maybe a year or so. Yeah. And he they're going through he's going through the procedure telling me the statistics on, you know, the informed consent stuff and says, you know, uh I have to let you know about the risks of anesthesia that one out of twenty six thousand result in death and there is a risk and he goes, But don't worry about it. He goes, I've done twenty five thousand nine hundred and ninety nine oh my with God. no problem. <laughs> What? Yeah. What a horrible person. He was awesome. Well, I think he knew I could Yeah. He, he, that I could take it. That would have been terrible for me. Maybe he knew I could take it and he gave it to me when I was under. Ooh. I did wake up with a sore beehole. Was his was his name <laughs> Zilberstein? It was not Zilberstein, okay. no. Okay. No. <laughs> so when that thing happened with the exposing of his genitals in a selfie, apparently they got a hold of a text that he had sent where he said Oh, and my partner walked in as I was pulling up my scrubs. I'm pretty sure he caught me. So he was like texting about it. It's just bad. Yeah, he's that's bad a, news. He's a creeper. Yeah. That guy probably shouldn't be. Well, he needs intensive therapy. Yeah. To deal I, with I, his, I'm not sure if suspension. I'm not sure if suspension is good enough. We need to be getting. We need to be taking care of biz. <laughs> with that guy? Yeah. Yeah. Get him out of there for good. We need to take care of biz so he'll stop taking care of biz. Yes. <laughs> We desperately need him to stop taking care of Biz. I think he's going to be bummed when he's forced to stop taking care of Biz. Yeah, he will be. So uh, let's talk about, I guess we should, the the Miss, the Miss USA pageant just happened. Yes, and it did. One of Britney's absolute pet peeves is taking place right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll let you regale the audience with uh, your your body talk issues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not very much a fan of body talk. And what I mean by that is the constant memes that are out there that people are liking where oh, men don't like bones, men like meat on the bones. And it's, you know, pictures of a thin runway model and then a curvy Marilyn Monroe. And there's all these memes about what is attractive and what isn't attractive. And right. it's so funny to me, the people that like it, they're just trying to comfort themselves because they identify with that body type. That's well, being... I, would, I would say they're insecure about their own body type. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen some of these, and I think it's typically the body talk is with people who are generally insecure with what they've got going on. Yeah. When, when you know, in reality... All, all body, t- there's something attractive and sexy about everyone. Yeah. All, I mean, almost everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I think Rocky Dennis probably 
didn't have a lot going on sexually. Yes. And the thing is, especially with women, you just stop. Just stop, please. Right. I mean, stop with the what's attractive and what's not. And there are thin women that are naturally very bony. And they don't want to have to look at memes saying they're not real women. Okay. Uh, women that are overweight shouldn't have to look at memes about, you know, what what is really sexy well, and it's not them. Th the thing is, is you don't see skinny women, thin women posting posting about how being fat is shitty. But you do see that there's this new thing about being fit. Yeah. Oh, that, that too. That too. These That's a new thing. Yeah. People. I don't want to look good in clothes. I want to look good naked. It's better to be fit. It's just every. There's always something better just, than something else. It's not as easy as this. But quit being insecure about you. Love who you are, and accept that someone different than your body type can also be sexy. So anyway, we're totally running rampant here. Yeah, but so... The, the, the Minnesota... Yeah, Miss USA happens. No, she's not Minnesota, is she? Miss Indiana. <laughs> Indiana. Michaela D. Something. I'm not going to try to say her name. She has drawn national attention, even though she didn't even make it into the top 10, because she performed in the bikini section of the competition. Mm -hmm. And... Twitter just lit up with praise for her, saying that finally there's a normal person. Here's just a couple of tweets. Quote, Miss Indiana shows you don't have to be super skinny to be beautiful. Finally, a contestant that's not a bag of bones. The fact that Miss Indiana is not a complete twig makes me really happy. Okay, so people were praising her for being quote-unquote normal. So she was interviewed about, what do you think about these people coming out and praising you and being thankful for you because you went out in your bikini and you look normal she's 5'8 she's a size 4 right okay. right she does look uh meatier than the other women on the stage i will admit that sure but there were people that were calling her thick on twitter right no way she i thick. she's not thick she's definitely still a thin woman and what I've been seeing today that's driving me crazy. Well, they try to postulate it like she's a fucking plus size model or something. When yeah. She's not. And that's what's been driving me crazy today is people are saying she's normal. And then there's this camp that says, wait, normal is size 12 in this country. She's abnormal. I'm normal. And there's this argument over what's normal and what's attractive. Again, we're having to have the conversation again. And people are debating it on social media talking about this woman's body and what's normal and abnormal just shut up please well, just look inside find beauty within yourself and stop projecting your bullshit on everyone else well and stop comparing your worth based on what someone else says you don't need to be a part of the average and have a label of normal to feel good about yourself if someone else says you're normal that shouldn't make you feel attractive you know, you don't need that label. You don't need someone to say that to feel attractive. I mean, you shouldn't. No. Well, no. Well, it's, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check my privilege here. <laughs> and I do understand that it's different for women. And I really can't identify because I'm a man. I'm six foot three and 265, 270 pounds. I'm a big guy. I'm, I'm okay with who I am. I am very pleased with how I look and the food that I eat because it is tasty 
and I live on shrimp po' boy and catfish po' boys. <laughs> yeah. So I understand that it's different for men and women, and I, I don't really identify with that. But, and if I could give any advice to, to people who are insecure about their weight and their, if your health isn't being severely compromised, love who you are. Listen, if, if you think you're overweight, go read a book and make your brain more attractive. Well, and if you do feel bad about the way your body looks, rather than criticizing someone else's body, why don't you worry about your own? Please? Yeah. I mean, just please do that. Because they're, <laughs> they're attractive too. Yeah, you're not the one calling the shots here. You don't have to be 5 foot 10, thin, tall, blonde, beautiful like Brittany to, to be beautiful. I know super beautiful women who have antithesis figures and body types to Brittany Page. And she knows it too. I guess she's right here. She could say that. <laughs> yeah, well, I know I don't look like uh, Miss Indiana, you know, yeah. and, and she's very beautiful. She yeah, has a yeah. great body. For sure. And I can recognize when, you know, those curvy girls that they show on Facebook compared to the bones are for dogs girls. They are pretty too. Yeah, I, I know pretty. that they yeah, are. Yeah. And that's, I can recognize that. And I don't understand why there can't just be, we all, we know that there's several different body types well, that are attractive. You know, I don't know. And we didn't really discuss a lot of this, but I don't know if, it, if it's, it, we've, we've been, we've been polarized in our views on everything in our, in our country. And it, 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 it comes from news and everything. It's, you've got your far left and your far right. And like we say on this show, it is our fucking mantra. There's got to be somewhere in the middle that is right, that is correct. It's not the far one way of the issue. It's not the other polarized side of the issue. It's somewhere in the middle that makes sense, that's right, that's correct. It's the way to attack an issue. Yeah. And it's not super skinny, and it's not super fat. It's everybody is good. Yeah. Unless it is compromising your fucking health, get over yourself. And appreciate what other people have. Maybe that's it. If people just can't appreciate what other people have. Because they're jealous of what other people have. Yeah, I'm just over all the negativity that all I see about it. All the body talk. Yeah, too much body talk. All right? <laughs> it just, and this is inside, but that Halloween, the picture of body talk with you and Jackie, awesome. So, Jackie, if you're listening, you better be listening. Super funny. Are we going to have to tell the body talk story? Yes, I guess we have to tell the body talk. No, if actually we should tell the well, body talk. Well, because you're referencing the picture. Well, it was going to be an inside joke, but now it's funny. So let's tell the body talk story at the Coeur d'Alene Resort. So we were at a Halloween party, and this was two years ago, three years ago. Yeah, something. And we had gotten dressed up in our costumes, and we went into another hotel room to meet the rest of our party before yeah. we went downstairs to a bar. And I tell you what, let, let me, cause I was there prior. You walked in. I was already there. Oh, okay. So let me set the scene. We're sitting in, we're, we're in a hotel room overlooking Coeur d'Alene Lake at the, in the Coeur d'Alene resort. It's a bigger like suite. And we've, there's several, there's probably 15 people in there and we're all, we're kind of getting, we're pre funking for the party. There's jello shots in a cooler that someone made and we're, you know, we're drinking a little bit, having a good time, kind of getting to know the people we don't know. And there's several couples there that whom I didn't know. And Brittany comes walking into the room and one of the dude's wife looks at Brittany 
and says, doesn't say hi, doesn't say hi, my name is dumbass, anything. She says, oh, girl, you need to eat a sandwich. Not hello. No one even introduced Brittany. She didn't know who the fuck she was. That's the first thing out of her mouth that Brittany needed to eat a sandwich. Yeah. And <laughs> Brittany, long before that, had a body talk issue. It's just been something that creates seething rage and fury in her heart. <laughs> yeah. So the whole night, my one of my best friends, Jackie, and Brittany were talking about the body talk. Well, because I, in all seriousness, this is why body talk got started, because I, in all seriousness, was talking to Jackie, and I said, I just feel like the body talk is really unnecessary, and she was laughing and making fun of the fact that I said body talk, because apparently that's really funny, yeah. and I just said body talk's <laughs> unnecessary. Who says body talk is unnecessary? It was kind of dumb, but... So now we take an annual body talk picture. Every Halloween now for the last two or three years, mm -hmm. there's been a body talk photo. Yes. Of you lamenting, you guys both commiserating with one another mm -hmm. about how terrible body talk is. Yes. Well, she's glaring at me, like looking disgusted at my body and I'm looking sad because I'm being criticized yeah. for my body. Very funny. We love Jack. Yeah, it was a fun time. <laughs> and no, I did not get in a fight, everybody. I was good. Oh, I would, were people clamoring for wondering whether you got in a fight? Yes, they were. I think in your mind, you wanted to beat the shit out of her. Um, In my mind, I wanted to say something very, very bad, but I didn't know who she was. Right. Well, <laughs> and, I didn't know. And so I didn't know if I could say something yeah. to her and I know have her it be husband. okay. I know her husband. I didn't know her. But she clearly, she either had too much to drink or too little to read because she was fucking dumb or drunk. One of yeah, the two. Yeah. Or maybe both. Yeah, it was definitely bad. So <laughs> so we're going to wrap it up on another dumb or drunk woman. And this is going to be it for this episode. We're going to wrap number 29 up and put it in the history books. So woman who shot missile into car has the most Florida name ever. Yeah. That is that might be the greatest headline that has ever been written. Woman who shoots missile into car has the most Florida name ever. A woman, a Florida woman, you already knew that, yeah. was arrested in May for shooting a missile into a vehicle. While this already raises some interesting questions, how did someone get access to a missile and why would she waste it on a car instead of sending it to Russians? <laughs> What's even more interesting is the woman's name, which appears on her booking record as... Are you ready for this? Oh, my God. Hey, hang on. Drum roll. Crystal Metheny. God damn. Are you kidding me? Crystal Metheny. Florida resident, Crystal Metheny... That's like a fucking character out of Breaking Bad. Yeah, and I'm reading this article from Jezebel... Ugh. So, but it, it. So take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> but Jesse laughed at one of the lines just a second ago. So yeah, apparently yeah. they're doing something right. And uh, the person that wrote this article actually called to confirm that the name was real because they didn't believe it. Yeah. And yes, it's a real, real name, real situation. I think. Listen, if you're listening out there, Crystal Metheny, and if you're not listening, Crystal Metheny, Roger from Florida, we have a dedicated early fan who stuck with the show forever or at least through 29 episodes <laughs> so
So if you're listening, Roger, you should get a hold of Crystal Metheny. She's probably your next door neighbor. And let her know that whenever Brittany is sick and I need a substitute co-host, I, I'm, I'm extending the olive branch and the offer. I am extending the offer of substitute co-host. It's Crystal Metheny. How can I not? How dare you? I know. So I um, want to read you the conversation that happened between the person who wrote this article at Jezebel, Mark Schraber, and the... They, they hired a man at Jezebel? Yeah. Oh. So he called the sheriff's office. He They're said, contributing to rape culture by hiring a man. He said, hi, I'm calling to ask about a name of one of the people you booked and released in May. They asked him, not yesterday? He said, no, May. They said, okay, what's her name? He says, Crystal Metheny. They say, hmm, and what is your question, sir? Uh, is that her real name? And was she arrested for shooting a missile? That's what it says here. It's not an alias? No. That's a pretty amazing name. Sir, this is Florida. We have a lot of interesting names here. <laughs> <laughs> Goddamn, we should have led with that. That is great. So there you go. All right, it's well, Florida, sir. Well, look, Dick, you New York elitist. This is Florida. <laughs> Every other person is named Crystal Methany. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. All right, everybody. We're going to wrap it up with that. This has been episode 29 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. We appreciate you listening. As always, I grovel at your feet at the beginning and end of every episode. Beg you to buy a book on Amazon on dollamore.com. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. We love your interaction. You can email us at idoubtit at dollamore.com. We would love to interact with you on the Facebook page. We love you. We really, truly appreciate every single one of you. We know you have a choice when you fly, and we love you for choosing I Doubt It with Dollamore. Nerd turd. <laughs> So, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been your twice-weekly source of news, news and ridiculous comments. I'm scared I'm going to die!